The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, April 7th. We are plugging right along towards the draft, which shall not be stopped by the uh, COVID-19 that circulates the the world, the globe, and is a uh, increasingly dangerous pandemic, but hopefully being slowed down by social distancing. I don't know why I'm talking about this. I, it feels hopeless on this Monday morning. But you know what makes me happy? Uh, we're recording on a Monday morning, Tuesday for you. You know what makes me happy? I get to talk to Danny Cannell about quarterback rankings. Danny, what's going on, buddy? What's good, Will, man? How are you doing? You know, I, I was interesting because I heard you going into this, like, opening soliloquy about COVID-19. It almost feels like when we're talking sports, you almost have to give that disclaimer, like there's a much bigger problem. But I have a feeling, I have a hunch that most of your listeners know that. Like, I don't feel like it has to be said, and yet you don't want to be accused of being insensitive, so you just say it anyway. Like, I've been in that position that you're in, so I know exactly what you're feeling. We've actually gotten a couple uh, people who wrote reviews. They're like, will you stop talking about what you're doing during Corona and just get to the sports? It's like, okay, I mean, <laughs> sure. If like I can ignore, you know, the fact that we're not allowed to leave our homes, buddy. Uh, I'm going a little crazy. You got you got kids. How are you? How are you hanging in there? It's good. Like that. There's a. 50-50 chance you could see one or two of them, or you definitely, there's probably an 80% chance you could hear them fighting while we're doing this recording right now. So, I mean, I'm sure you know, you know the drill. And I, I need, I feel like I need to go back to the college days when you put a sock on the door, you know, like some, <laughs> you need to put some sort of, I need, I need to get an on air button, but I'm not that sophisticated. I don't have that type of technology. So maybe a sock on the door. We'll just re, like, we'll re, re, we'll bring that back. Like that means daddy's busy. Two weeks ago. <laughs> Like right after we got quarantined, my wife was out shopping for groceries and I was doing HQ. I hit with Jenny Dell and somebody else. And um, my son came up and took a number two in my office bathroom and then proceeded to yell, Daddy, I went poo-poo. Daddy, I went poo-poo for the next five minutes while I was talking about the Dallas Cowboys on CBS Sports HQ. And uh, the producer, I think it was Dane, was producing and heard, heard Robbie in the background. I was like, tell Robbie to come on out. I was like, no. No, stay where you are <laughs> because you know it's like a six-year-old kid. He like wants to show me his poop. It's, it's a absolutely it's a, as he should. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, yeah, it's is we're hanging in there. Um, absolutely. At least you, guys, you guys can in Florida can play golf. I think though, right? No, they're killing us. No beach and no golf. Like those are the two things. When initially this started to crop up, I was like, at least we live in Florida. We've got the beach. We can bike ride to the beach. Like we're within a mile from the beach. And golf, we're, our golf course is about a mile from here. So the first few days, that's exactly what we did almost every day. Like that was the morning was the beach, the afternoon was golf. So we're like, this will be fine. Like, yeah, it'll be an adjustment, but we're, we're good. Like we can still entertain our kids. And then within three days, the beach was shut down. And I'm talking cops at every parking entrance, nice. like checking it out, like making sure nobody's out there. And then the golf course. Same thing, about another three days went by. Then it was like, okay, it's going to be – because I'm a member at a place there's a resort sure. as well. 
the first time that they dialed it back, it was like, oh, okay, it's just the resort people. The people at the hotel can't play golf. And we we're like, oh, thank goodness. We'll be able to play. There'll be less people. And then like within 48 hours, shut down completely, no golf whatsoever. So like those two things out the window. I wonder if that's a Broward thing because my aunt and uncle, who, by the way, huge Florida State fans, uh, oh, and, uh, if you wanna, you wanna dig it, by the way, so my uncle, we did a big family call last night. Uh, if you wanna, uh, Danny Cannell, former Florida State great, if you wanna tell Pat Williams that the Gators suck, feel free to right now. Oh, yeah, come on, Pat. The Gators suck. Like, I feel sorry for Pat because <laughs> he probably couldn't get into Tallahassee, so he had to fall back oh, to school no. in Florida. So sorry about that, but I mean, obviously that's why he went to Florida. That's why anybody goes there. Uh, but I, we picked up a new listener to the podcast last night on a Zoom call with my, the Williams family down in Florida. Uh, Jordan, uh, who is, who married my cousin, uh, texted me, was like, Hey, what's your podcast? I want to subscribe. So Uncle Pat, nice. thank you for spreading the word. Uh, unfortunately just got dunked on by Danny Cannell about the Gators and FSU. Hopefully, hopefully we will have a renewed, we will have a rivalry. That we can look forward to in the fall. Let's get to some, some draft quarterbacks. Um, it's 11.15 on Monday morning and we have derailed this podcast already. Good job by me. Uh, we're going to talk about Danny's top 10 quarterbacks and find out who is this year's Danny Cannell. Ooh, I like that idea. Um, offensive prospect rankings will be going on throughout the week. We're going to do running backs with Josh Edwards, wide receivers with Ryan Wilson and tight end offensive line with the, uh, the pr- imprisoned Pete Prisco. He keeps telling us he's in prison. <laughs> Pete, you're at a high-rise condo in downtown Fort Lauderdale overlooking a bunch of yachts, okay? You ain't in prison. Let's settle down, pal. <laughs> um, who is your uh, who is your number 10 quarterback, Danny? All right, so 10 to 1. I'm going to go Mason Fine out of uh, North Texas. Now, this one, and I feel like, and I don't, know if, I don't know if you get this way when you start interviewing players, like when we're at the Combine or when you're in different places, if you have them on the podcast – this one for me is a kid that I covered when he was at North Texas. I watched him play. He left the game with a broken, um, like thumb on his left hand, but came back in the fourth quarter, continued out the game. But even in doing the prep up to the game, he's having a phenomenal career at North Texas. He's a competitor. He fits like what offenses are doing now, which is, you know, it's a little bit more mobile, can make all the throws, but I love the competitive spirit about him, like a tough kid who I think could be one of those sixth or seventh round picks that's all of a sudden figuring out a way to make a team and possibly, if he's given the right situation, could make an impact. Because I think you're going to see more teams, Will, try out what the Saints have done with Taysom Hill. Like, there's, it's just, it's a copycat league. Any way you can generate offense. We saw it with the Wildcat. Now if you put quarterbacks back there who come from the college game who can run a little bit, it makes it that much more dangerous. So I think there's going to be space for guys like Mason Fine, guys like Jalen Hurts, who I'm still going to get to, that are going to get drafted specifically not to be the starter, but to be a backup slash wildcat quarterback option. I I, I think you're 100% right. These guys, these teams see what other teams do, and they try to replicate it. And there are going to be a lot of teams, I think, that are going to try and also – uh, find the next Lamar Jackson. It's like, let's, let's, let's not do that. Cause there's not like Michael Vick was him left-handed 20 years ago. And then Lamar Jackson showed up. So don't try and do it. Uh, where, all right. So, uh, uh, who's your number nine quarterback? Cause I have a question after your number eight. 
Steven Montez out of Colorado. Big physical kid. He seems like he's been there forever. Probably more of a project. Not exactly the runner that you would like, but he has a, a massive arm. He's got a cannon. Probably more of a project. Again, somebody in the sixth round, somewhere later in the draft, that you would be willing to sit on the bench behind somebody and maybe you get lucky and he turns into a starter, probably more of a backup throughout his career. But I do, st- I still think he'll get drafted. Some, some team will give him an option to be on their roster. Bonus, if you want to watch a film of Steven Montez, you get to watch LaVishka Chenault, who exactly. is, if that dude stays healthy, he's going to be a monster and like a steal yeah. in the second round. Uh, number Agreed. eight, you have James Morgan, who feels like he could be a Madden simulated name. <laughs> yes. It could be. Now, this is another guy that I covered a bunch with CBS Sports Network because uh, they let me stay local for travel. So I was down at FIU, saw him play a couple times, actually saw him play this last season up at West Virginia, or excuse me, at Marshall in West Virginia. But here's a, he's a player who's had a lot of playing time. He's won a lot of games, was actually recruited more than most players that would go to FIU, um, but went in there, took over the job, battled some injuries. But I do think I like his accuracy and what he brings to the table from a leadership perspective. Again, later round pick, who I think will be a guy that will make an NFL roster, probably as a backup. But, you know, given the right circumstances, could find himself playing and maybe even playing himself into a longer career than most people think in the NFL. Okay, so your next guy on the list is Jacob Eason at number seven. And I I sort of want – I'm curious, based on my – non uh i'm not gonna lie and tell you that i've watched yeah 10, um, 10 it's games. lower than most is that what you're gonna say well you're a little bit lower on Eason, but i'm also wondering what's the gap between like Eason and morgan it feels like eight nine ten might be like a like another subset of guy, like a different subset oh of guy. for sure so, for sure okay. there's definitely and i think there are you know and i like i don't know how you like to and i think we've done this before when we've done nfl quarterbacks i do like to tier them because i do think there are different tiers of quarterbacks and i would say that the the one, two, three guys we went over on a tier significantly lower than the next one, two, I'll say three or four, like the next three or four. Yeah. There's one There's one guy we'll get to that I think is on the cusp between tiers. Um, but for, for our purposes, we'll move up a tier that's a jump, which I would put Jacob Eason in. Cause yeah, I so think, just, he, just to make it clear, too, like I think Mason Fine, Stephen Montez, and James Morgan, if I'm reading this correctly, are like they are the – and lowest tier is not a bad thing. They're just in the lowest tier. and they're, But they're guys who – like maybe there's a consensus top seven and then these are your guys that you feel a little more comfortable with that you think will be drafted late that might have a little bit of a flyer shot to make it right yes like i mean i i I was thinking about nate stanley from iowa i don't know i don't love his skill set he's probably just outside but there's there's probably an interchangeable group of guys who may or may not get drafted sixth seventh or free agents and i would put these guys in that category for sure Okay, so Jacob Eason at number seven. That's a, that, that is lower than the consensus. Why are you not down on him, but lower on him than maybe most people? So I'm lower on him for the part, and I one of the reasons I really want to do was keep Jake from above Jacob Eason because I do think we, you know we we had those guys compete against each other. Jake from beat him out when his coaching staff saw both of them right there together in Athens. And granted, you know, one can go another place and Jake Fromm can excel at Georgia, continue there. Easton has to take the wrong long road to get where he is. And he did start to improve at Washington and had a pretty decent year. But I still think he's a raw potential guy. And one of the things that drives me nuts through this process, Will, is when you see guys that are okay on film, 
But then when they throw in their shorts and a, you know, in a t-shirt and they can, you know, sling it, everybody's like, ooh, this guy's a project. Like, ooh, we'd like the raw potential here. I just didn't see it translate. If you put Jacob Eason's arm on Jake Fromm's body, you would have a really, really good quarterback. Oh yeah. Probably a top three pick. Like without question. Like it's absolutely, but that goes to my point. Like, you can't just fall in love with guys because of how they test or how far they throw a football. Like all those skills are severely overrated when it comes to actually playing the franchise quarterback, being a franchise quarterback. Yes, they matter somewhat, but there's other things that matter more. Now, Jacob Eason could be a guy that, you know, and I think he'll probably get drafted third or fourth round. So we're starting to move up in tiers as well. That may light it up. Maybe he gets in the right system and gets in and has a lot of success. But I just, I'm not buying it until I see it. But as far as a risk reward, if it was the fourth round and I was in need of a quarterback to add depth to my depth chart, I would absolutely, absolutely take a swing at Jacob Eason. Yeah. And I think it would need to be a spot like we, we mentioned New Orleans, how t- they have Taysom Hill as the backup, but like maybe Sean Payton loves Jacob Eason's physical skill set and thinks that he can develop him mentally. I don't, I don't actually like, uh, Dan Orlovsky was on the podcast last week and actually suggested that Jake Fromm would be a great fit for the saints because he is a breeze type guy. But like, you know, it, it, I think the, the, and we'll get to from in just a second, but I think the thing with Eason is he, need, he, he can't go somewhere where he's going to be asked to start 10 games. No. That would no. be a problem for a team. It would absolutely be a problem. You know, what it reminds me a little bit of is uh, Ryan Mallett, you know, a guy who yes. came out yeah. college, the Patriots talent. took him. you know, like he's, he's got some talent and, you know, r- really raw potential and then just didn't pan out for whatever. Now, there's other examples you could give that would be a better example. And I'm sure Jacob Eason wouldn't love being compared to Ryan Mallett. But that's kind of where I view him as. If, if you compared me to Ryan Mallett and I'm not physically built for anything related to quarterbacking, I would be insulted. Like, like, like it would be, it would be an upgrade physically to be Ryan Mallett. I would still be insulted. Like the guy got benched. Who did he get benched for? Uh, by Bill okay. got benched for Tom Savage because he slept through his alarm clock in Miami. Like, what are yeah, you that's doing? The, I don't, bro? I don't want to say character issues comparison. I mean, right, raw right. potential comparison. Remember like, how much Belichick, remember how much respect there was for Belichick and the fact that the Patriots drafted Ryan Mallett, that people were floating around trade offers that they should go get Ryan Mallett from the Patriots. Like that was, that was unbelievable to me because I remember watching him coming out thinking, this kid's not that special. Like he's got some significant issues as we get derailed once again, but that's all right. <laughs> no, I, but I mean like that, right? That, that's why it's a good comparison. Like Ryan Mallett had this howitzer and you would watch him throw and you're like, God, if this guy could ever harness it, he's going to be incredible. It's like, well, maybe he won't harness it. Or maybe Zach Mettenberger. <laughs> I guess Zach Mettenberger a little yes. slower. Same deal though. Like they happen. It happens every single year. It happens every single year. Uh, that it goes. And, and every single year we see players get overdrafted and they don't pan out. They end up, you know, in a few years or like, hey, what happened to that guy? Or like, oh, he's on a he was on a practice squad last year and he's no longer in the league. Like it happens all the time. Yeah. So remember that one long touchdown he threw in that time he got sacked 14 times. And um, <laughs> OK, so the opposite of that is Jake from who. Yes. Uh, I think interviewing, we interviewed him at the Super Bowl. He did the Jake from State Farm thing. He is very like you talk about a guy who doesn't have character issues, that guy has high character. You can tell it. He's a, he's a really nice kid. Like it it is weird for me to be like he, you meet some of these guys, like you meet Tua and you're like, "Eh, he's he's a younger quarterback. He's a quarterback prospect. Jake Fromm feels like a kid. It's very, it's weird like that, but I can't help but think that he is going to succeed at minimum in a Colt McCoy fashion at the NFL level. I agree. Like I, I think he is, 
And Debo knows this because I remember talking about on Canel and Bell. Like, I fell in love with Jake Fromm when I watched QB1, the series on Netflix, and saw, yeah. like, because so many of those kids are punks when they're on that show. And you're like, oh, this is the worst kid ever. And he's 17, like, you know, just cocky and arrogant. And he was the same way as a senior in high school as he is now. So he's been, he just had, he's had a really good upbringing. Like his parents did a fantastic job. He's kept a really level head and he's had success as a true freshman. So he's, and he's played really well. Now, unfortunately for Jake Fromm, he's coming off the worst year of his career. He had, you know, injuries at, uh, in his offensive line. He had bad, you know, young wide receivers around him. So he didn't have a really good year, which is why we're not talking about him higher. Then he goes to the combine and his hand size is an issue. Top tier arm strength becomes an issue. But I would say he's going to be, you know, a 10-year player in the NFL. I don't think, and this is where Orlovsky and I, I think, have disagreed, because I've talked to him, too, a lot about Jake Fromm, and he loves Jake Fromm even more than I do. Yes. I think he's probably going to be a 10-year guy that's going to be mostly a backup, maybe, as and probably like Colt McCoy, like you were mentioning. Yeah. I just don't, and maybe there's a very slim window that he gets where he's handed the reins because whatever team he goes to, the starter's not getting it done or they get hurt, and he gets that opportunity, and I would love to see him take advantage of it, but I do think some of his deficiencies with the arm talent, top-tier arm talent, could get exposed, and that's why, and even still, maybe he gets that opportunity. I don't think he seizes it, though, you know, and that sounds harsh. I just don't think he's got the the top-tier arm talent and just overall athleticism, some of the things that we're looking at for quarterbacks now to take advantage of and be trusted with a franchise. Now, I think he'll make, you know, he could have an outstanding career, and I think he will. I think he could come in and win a few games for you, which is great. He can make a lot of money. I just don't think he'll ever be that franchise quarterback. Well, this is exactly why we, and I mean that collectively, fall in love with the Jacob Eason's or the Ryan Mallets of the world because Jake Fromm, if you took, took his brain and dropped it in Jacob Eason's body and let – Jacob Eason could process and operate an offense the way that Jake Fromm does, you'd have a hall, like a potential Hall of Fame quarterback. But that's not how this works. I mean, like, you can't, you can't do that. And, and you can't, you can't gift somebody with physical skills. Like, it's just, right. it's just not going to happen. So if you are, you want, you can fall in love with the potential of a guy who has the physical skill set. It's harder to project Jake Fromm developing physically at the next level. Although that does happen in some cases. Guys' arms get stronger. Um, and, that's why I think Dan uh, Orlovsky put him on the Saints because it's like, okay, there is a little bit of a breeze comp if he develops more physically, gets stronger when he gets to the NFL for whatever reason. But I, I'm with you. I think that he's probably a frisky backup. Right. Right. Uh, totally. uh, and he'll be great for a locker room, great for a quarterback room, good ear for the starting quarterback to bounce ideas off, all those things, which is great. Like he, Again, I think he'll have a really nice, long NFL career which is a great thing. You know, it's not a bad, and I'm sure in his mind, he wants to go in and say, I can be a starter. You know, I was trying to think of, you know, fourth, because I, I, and this is where I, I lost out of a bet at one point in the paid, season. Man. What's that? Cole McCoy is still getting paid. Like, oh, paid exactly, to- exactly. I just wonder what, at what point, because I don't think he's going to get drafted in the first two rounds. I think he's more of a third rounder and maybe more realistically a fourth rounder. But like Orlovsky totally disagrees with me. He, we had a bet at one time during the season he was going to be a first rounder and then he backed off that. I think he still believes he's going second. I just, 
I wonder if a team's going to be willing to invest a second round pick in a quarterback who I don't think anybody would say, yeah, that's our franchise. So that's the only thing to me for Fromm is where does he get drafted? I'm kind of all over the map on that one because all it takes is one team to fall in love with you. But I still think eventually when they look at all the, when they look at everything and they weigh it out, they're going to let him drop and say, yeah, we can probably get him another round later. You know so what this, I mean? Like I, I don't see him going that high. Like, so again, Orlovsky's point was like the Saints and he, and I, I get it. Like it makes sense, like the Breeze cover or whatever, but like the Saints had the 88th pick in the second round. They have Taysom Hill. They have Drew Brees. They, they are playing for a championship this year. Like they are, they really believe they can win a Super Bowl. Are they going to spend the 88th overall pick? On Jake Fromm, who's not going to help them in any fashion. Like, if Jake Fromm plays this year, you're already effed. So, like, right. it, like you know, like, do you really want to use that capital when, the, you know, a guy you could get there? I mean, you can get an 88 overall. You can get a, a an impact rookie in 2020. So, I, I'm with you. I think fourth round is more likely for Fromm. And one thing that people need to understand, too, about the draft is that if you go in the fourth round and, like, the fourth round of the seventh round at this point, in the NFL are basically congruous. Like, yeah. like, if you're, like, if, like, if you go to the four, you go day three, it doesn't matter when you go. Like, if you're sixth round versus fourth round, it's the same thing. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Now, your, your odds, you know, if you're a first rounder, you're a lock to make the team. If you're a second rounder, you're a lock to make the team. If you're a third rounder, I'd probably put it like 90% to make the team, just like investment. Fourth yeah. round, I think it drops significantly, probably like 60% chance you make the team. Fifth round, it's probably 50-50. Sixth round, it's probably 30%. You know, like, there's definitely, I don't know the analytics sure. on it, but there's definitely a correlation with where you are drafted and your odds of making the team. So I think there's a, you know, it's a, it drops off, of course, every time. But I think, like you're saying, I think the fourth through the seventh are pretty similar. They Those odds start dropping, but you're by no means a lock to make the team as a fourth-round pick. No, 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 you're right. The, 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 the roster factor is a much bigger deal for making the team. I get people get hung up on, like, like somebody drops to the sixth round. It's like, well, he was a fourth-round prospect anyway, so, like, don't, like, that just means a team maybe didn't have any fourth, a team that liked him didn't have any fourth round picks, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, the last, uh, last guy, well, not the last guy, last guy before the break. Good job reading the break to run down by me. Uh, Jalen, <laughs> Jalen Hurts is your number five prospect. I think the Hurts, Eason, Fromm grouping is very fascinating because one guy is the mental, you know, the, the smart, uh, mental guy in Fromm. One guy is the physical guy in Eason. And then, uh, Jalen Hurts is the two program leader who, is a good runner and maybe a good thrower. I don't know what to make of Hurts. I'm with you. The only, And this is where I go back, and I I probably put Jalen Hurts higher than Fromm and Eason, which I've seen other ones that have him below those two. Because at some point, and this is where I have to go to the film and say, look at the career this guy had from the time he was a freshman at Bama and he was the SEC Offensive Player of the Year to the way he handled his benching to Tua Tonga-Valoa, to the way he stood around, stayed around at Alabama, was a good teammate, was a good leader, the way he was called upon in the SEC championship game when Tua wasn't playing great, won that game, then what he did at Oklahoma. Like, he's, he's excelled and had success every time he's been on the field. So whatever deficiency he might have as a passer, which I think are harder to find than people think, and I think it goes back to, well, if you watched him play when he was at Alabama, you know, he, they, they didn't ask him to do a whole lot. He looked a little bit, you know, like they didn't, that the offense wasn't wide open. But then if you went and watched what he did at Oklahoma, the numbers weren't quite as much of a drop off as I think I even expected. Like I thought there was going to be a drop off between Baker, Kyler, and then 
Hertz would be, you sure. know, whoa, this offense looks different. There really wasn't. Now they ran him more and he made plays, but his passing statistics were still up there. When you watch film, he, he still made an, a lot of throws and a lot of big plays. So this one for me is kind of the opposite of the, the guy who impresses you because he's six five and he can throw at 70 yards in the air. This Jalen Hurts impresses me because when he's on the field, he's found ways to win games. And I think that is valuable. Now, what I think is, I think this could be a good and a bad thing for Jalen Hurts. I think he is probably getting the most comparison to Lamar Jackson, which is really unfair to him because I don't think another Lamar Jackson exists. The way that he runs the football and the way that he throws the football. And, and yet, you know, in a copycat league, I could see an NFL team possibly getting fooled into thinking, Oh, he can be our starter and we can run that type of offense. And if that's the, the position that Jalen Hurts is put in, I don't think he has success. But I do think he can have success if he's given the right offense to work with him. Yeah, the one thing that I don't like about Hurts just watching him is that compared to Baker and Kyler, I thought that he would look to run rather than run when he needed to run. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like so – and that's a problem in the NFL, especially if you're about a team that has like a questionable offensive line. Like you're going to be forced into, and you're going to have to, like you're going to be taking off running, and you need to either be big like Cam or fast like Lamar slash RG three to pull that off at the NFL level. And even you know RG three obviously it didn't work forever. So that would be my concern is like a quarterback who looks to run to me is going to struggle in the NFL unless they have a unique skill set to a unique uh, like aspect of their running game. And I don't think and, he necessarily has that. And I do think though, and this is again, I think this is might be a knock against him because Lincoln Riley, the head coach at Oklahoma was calling a lot more of those runs. So does yes, that mean he didn't trust them as much, which I think it does. I think clearly he was calling a different game plan, which shows you some of the limitations he has as a passer. That's a great point. I think Lincoln would prefer to pass it because he knows that passing is more efficient. But yep. if, and he had freaking CD Lamb. Like, right. like, I mean, like you're telling me he's like, why are you, against Big 12 defenses? You're telling me you need to run with Jalen Hurts? I, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a great point, Danny. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll listen. We will, uh, break out Danny's top four quarterbacks. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Okay, at number four, uh, I think that this guy, Jordan Love, falls in the uh, big physical projection category, right? He does. So I also think he's a little bit of the the antithesis of Joe Burrow because the way his career is unfolded. Like if he would have come out last year um, when he was at Utah State and he had 32 touchdowns, six interceptions, you know, had a great year statistically. I think he could be a guy that was considered as one of the top three quarterbacks. And yet I think most people watch, look at him and say he's the fourth guy. And it's, you know, there's a significant drop off, which I would agree. And it's because of this last season, like his film from this last season made a lot of bad decisions with the football. I think it was 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Like he threw a lot of picks, made a lot of bad decisions. But again, to where he's similar to Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow um, benefited because he had a new offensive coordinator and Joe Brady who comes in there and opens up the offense. Sorry, 20 and 17, by the way, just for the record. Oh, 20 and 17, 20 and 17. I knew there was a lot of interceptions in there. Terrible, a terrible ratio. Right. But so back to the Burrow comp, like so Burrow gets the benefit of a new tweak in a passing game coordinator and Joe Brady and the rest is history. Meanwhile, Jordan Love, the entire coaching staff left to Texas Tech, Matt Wells and the, and the former crew. So he was working with an entirely new staff, entirely new offense, which I understand like that is to me. I think way too many people just think it's easy to pick up an offense and it's not. It's hard. It's complicated. And when there's continuity issues and you're trying to learn something, maybe you're trying to press and do too many things. So that's, that to me is where he's kind of the opposite and he's really having a hard time making up for that. But as you alluded to, I think he is the biggest, like this, the Patrick Mahomes comp is the one that I think is unfair to him. Cause again, like Lamar Jackson, I don't know yeah. if another Patrick Mahomes exists. And yet Jordan Love is going to, somebody's going to say, well, man, he could be our guy because he can throw off platform and he throws off balance, which, you know, it's funny when we say those are good things that Patrick Mahomes can do. If you have any quarterback coach, they're trying to coach you out of doing those things, you know, like those are not really seen as good things. And yet because Mahomes has had success doing it, all of a sudden it is. So like you better make sure that those aren't bad habits that you're getting with Jordan Love. So I, He's one for me that's really an intriguing pick because I think some team will fall in love with him. I do think he'll probably go in the second round unless maybe, and this is that how many quarterbacks get drafted in the first round. Is it four? Is it five? Somebody pulls a Lamar Jackson when he was, when they traded back in the first round to get him. I could see a scenario where maybe something like that unfolds, but I think he's definitely a second round pick. And I do think a team will fall in love with him because of those just raw skill set potential that you see. Um, but I don't know. There's, you know, I, I, he had, um, he had a run in with the law. I forget, I forget exactly what it was, but it was right before the bowl game. Yeah. I mean, that's just and, right. And that's not, you know, in today's society, it's not that big of a deal. It depends on where state you live in. But to me, it's just a simple IQ test, you know, like, you know, like, what are you thinking at this time in your life? You couldn't make a better decision than to just stay out of trouble. So that's a mild red flag for me uh, with Jordan Love. Um, but again, I think some team will fall in love with him and say, well, that that's that's not an issue. He had a new staff. We see what he did two years ago, so we're going to draft him. Well, an interesting thought exercise, just very quickly, is what if you took Jordan Love and Joe Burrow and you flipped 18 and 19 for both of them? So, like, Burrow wins the title at 18 and is like, eh, in, in 19 because Joe Brady leaves. And Jordan Love has – uh, is 20 and 17 in 2018, but then goes 32 and six last year. 
I think we'd be talking about Jordan Law. Like it would be like, ah, you can't take Burrow over Tua, and it would be like, well, like Jordan Love needs to be a top ten pick, right? I mean, like that's just right. sort of recency bias. Absolutely. Oh, it's a hundred percent. You know what else is crazy is Jake Fromm. If you look at his year, like it if was he come out of if he come out of his freshman year, Fromm yeah. would be a top pick. Absolutely. And this year was not that much different for Jake Fromm than Joe Burrow last year. Like, and that's how crazy it is. And that's how much of a bump. Like last year, if we were doing this exercise and Burrow, we probably would have had Burrow at seven or eight. Not even. I don't even think he'd be in a top 10 quarterback after what he did at LSU two okay. years ago. Like we would have said, ah, he's a career backup. Like, yeah, you know, like he would, like it's crazy. He was like 60 to one to win the Heisman. Like he was, I mean, <laughs> just because he was a starter at a P5 program. Yeah, it does. 100%. Yep. It's a great point. Uh, okay, number three, Justin Herbert. He has all the, the – the, I think the – why do why do Oregon quarterbacks – all these Oregon quarterbacks just are quiet dudes? Like, what is the deal <laughs> with – like, Mariota is like, is he a leader? Herbert, like, is he a leader? Right. Does he have fire in his belly? <laughs> so I don't know if you talked to him at the Combine. Um, I wasn't – I did. I What's that? I didn't go to the combine, Danny. Oh, well, at the Super Bowl, I keep thinking like, where are you guys? Were you were at the Super Bowl? Did you get to? Have you met? Have you met him in person yet? No, but I have or watched. Interviewed. I've watched carefully his interviews with Ryan Wilson because Wilson didn't like him as a prospect, and then had to stand next to him for like twenty minutes, and I was like, he's such a nice guy. So we had him, and I think Ryan was on the desk with me in Indianapolis, yep. and I remember I asked him about the leadership stuff, and he had a really good answer. Um, and I was impressed. I was expecting like a socially awkward, like we like, kind of weirdo. Like I was expecting issues. Like doesn't look yet, you in the eye or something right. like that. Like, yeah, he was be- confident. He was prepared. He had good answers. He didn't throw anybody at Oregon under the bus, didn't make any excuses and was like, I'm here to tackle this head on. I thought he had a really successful, you know, process leading up here. And I actually, when you look at him and you evaluate him, he played in an offense that was not suited to the NFL game, to evaluating film. It was a lot of bubble screens and a lot of one read and get the ball out. Like a lot of, it just was not a very complex offense that didn't really suit his skill set. I think to me, if I was picking, I would almost like, yeah, if you're the Bengals, they're out of the conversation because they have to take Joe Burrow. But if you're the, if you're the Chargers, let's say, if I'm the Chargers, I'm saying, please take Tua, Dolphin, Miami, please take Tua, because then it's easy. They don't have any decision to make. And I think you could be really confident saying, because you kind of have an excuse. Well, those guys weren't available, so we took the guy the best available on the board. And I think when it's all said and done, if you give Herbert the right pieces and you give him the right coaching staff and you give him some weapons to work with, I think he could potentially have the best career of all of them. I think he's that talented. Now, he also is a guy that – you can fall in love with when you see him throw it. He flips it. It just effortlessly comes off. And when you see him run, like, oh, his 40 times faster than anybody thought. But those are the types of raw abilities that I do think are less tapped into than Tua and Burrow because he hasn't had a sort of an NFL system to groom him the way that Joe Brady was able to have with Joe Burrow and that the type of tutelage that Tua had at Alabama. So I do think he is the definition of a raw talent that can be groomed into being possibly the best one of these three quarterbacks. That's that's another good thought exercise too. Like, what happens if you flip Tua and Justin Herbert? Is like, is Justin Herbert great at Alabama, and Tua is like a quiet guy who's not a big enough leader coming out of Oregon? Because like, you could see that. I mean, like Tua, totally. 
You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I didn't, my thing, and maybe I'm not doing a good enough job separating Herbert from the offense, but I would watch something. I would stay up because I would like to stay up late and gamble on college football. I would stay up late and watch these Oregon games. I'm like, I, like, I just don't, I don't see it. Like he would make, like he would, and may, again, maybe it's the offense, maybe it's the coaching. I just didn't, you would see some of these throws. You're like, what, what is he doing? Like this guy is supposed to be a, a top 10 prospect. You know what's a fun game to go back and watch is the Washington-Oregon game because Eason played really well and Herbert played really well. Midday in like yeah, it was a three thirty ABC game I think, and it was it was a fun game and they both kind of I thought they both showcased a lot of what they could do. But see, here's where I'm kind of tripping myself up. The games that I like to go watch are their worst games. Like show me what they did at their worst, um, and let me see how they responded. Let me see if they were able to play their way out of it because. You know, some of these schools that you get to, and this is really going to be a part of my evaluation of who we're getting next to with, next with Tua, is, and this was the circumstance I had at Florida State, you have so much talent around you that probably without question, 10 games out of 12, you're going to have a significant advantage playing quarterback because just the talent around you is that much better. Like all you have to do is just not screw it up. Like you just can't wreck the car. And if you do that, you're going to play great. And then there are two games a year, typically at schools like Bama, like Clemson, like LSU, that you're going to be tested. And those are the games that I want to see you play against. And like that, that's the games that I want to see. And maybe you had two interceptions, but I want to see why, what happened in those interceptions? What, like what mistakes did you make? And more importantly, how did you respond after them? And so that's one of those things that I look at where I kind of use as a separator. So I might have fooled myself into thinking, all right, well, I really put too much stock into Herbert against Washington because it was one of his better games. And yet even on some of his bad games, I do think some of it was more offense deficiencies than it was, you know, he's not a good quarterback. Because I think the Auburn game is the game to go back and watch. If you want to watch a rough game, because there were plays to be made against Auburn and it could have changed their season. And yep. he didn't make some of those plays. Now, the other thing is it's the first game of the year. Some guys, it takes a little bit to get into the flow of the season. And I think that might have been a problem for him as well. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I like, I, I want to know. I mean, like, I'm a, I mean, I'm a, I don't know, maybe I'm, a, I'm not a pessimist. I don't know what the word would be, but like, I want to know what you are at your worst. You know, it's like, totally. what does it mean? It's like, if you don't, if you can't like me at, at like this, then how can you know, like, like, I need to see, I need to see what your floor is to like, I, I want to know what the absolute worst case scenario is for a guy I'm drafting. Because it's the best evaluation of the NFL. Cause the NFL, you're not going to have better talent. Even if you play in the Patriots, you're not going to have better talent 80% of the time. You're going to have equal talent a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> like it's yeah. just the way it works. Yes, I know there are some teams like Kansas City has some weapons for Mahomes and there's some teams that have slightly better weapons, but the way the NFL is designed with salary cap, with the draft, it is more evenly balanced. So you're not going to have that advantage. No, that's, that's a great point. All right. Uh, the top two guys, obviously, uh, do you, where do you fall on putting Herbert and love or like Herbert and love together? I think Burrow, Tua and Herbert are in a tier by themselves. Okay. And I think love is kind of this. He's got one step in that tier and one step in the tier below him. He's like a tweener for me. He's right there. So I, but I do think these three, I would feel much more confident selecting one of these top three than I would in Jordan Love. So is Justin Herbert closer to Tua for you than he is Jordan Love? Yes, without okay. question. Okay. All yeah. right, so all right, so it's really more of a big three for you that I like. I have a I, for me, it's, I would have a big two and then and then Herbert, but that's but like that's that's why tiers exist. That's so you can do yeah, yeah. Um, 
What is your – would you give any thought to taking Tua over Burrow? Not for one second. I really okay. wouldn't. Like I got – um and even without injuries, I like don't even know if that Tua was a Tua question or a hit. Burrow question. What's that? I don't know if that was a Tua question or a Burrow question, but <laughs> it. it's both. But even yeah. if Tua did not hurt his hip and didn't have that surgery, I don't. Again, if you go back to the film and go watch both of them play, I think Burrow jumps off more as a more accurate passer. I think he's more athletic. I think he has more of the intangible leadership styles that you would want in your franchise quarterback and more of that ability to make the big play. And that, now it's it's not so much that two is you know, awful, and yet that's what some Bama fans that will listen to this will hear. Um, but I just think it's, it's a no-brainer. And then because of the hip, like for me, then it's like even more of a no-brainer that, okay, there's, there's almost a one by himself. And then it's Tua and Herbert. Like, I, and I know we're doing tiers because I think that's where they're going to go in the draft that close together. But to me, I would not hesitate one bit if I was the Bengals to take Burrow. I would not give it much thought to taking Tua or any other team for that matter. If you think about trading up, would you trade? If you were the Bengals, would you consider taking three first-round picks from the Dolphins for Tua for Burrow? You know, it was funny because I think Dalton is good enough to win with. I mean, he's proven it. I mean, he's proven it. He made the playoffs a boatload of times. Um, and I think he's the ultimate definition of a quarterback who could be like Dak Prescott, right? Like if Dak Prescott, you give him Zeke, you give him Amari Cooper, you give him a good offensive line, all of a sudden he's putting up incredible numbers yep. and you know the coach gets fired, not the quarterback gets benched. Um, but you could be set for you know the next 12, 14, 15 years with Burrow, and it has been proven, I think, that the better the better philosophy – is if you can win with a rookie quarterback and not pay him that much in the first four or five years, surround him with talent, then it is the other way where if you're paying – and I know Andy Dalton's a pretty agreeable rate. Like he's not that expensive when it comes to the bigger picture. No, but, but you I would, would, uh, would want to have a that. quarterback on a rookie wage scale like a Burrow at 22 mil- – I mean, Andy Dalton's still $20 million for 2020. Joe Burrow's right. $25 million for f- four years. Plus, right. it's an option. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, so for that reason, I probably would pass on it, no matter what the offer was. Okay. Um, yeah. And you know what? Bur- and going back to Tua, the reason Tua, if you go back and you look at some of his poor performances, they came against the better competition when he was getting pressured, uh, whether it was the SEC championship game against Georgia from a couple years ago, whether it was Clemson in the national championship game. Like, when he played against the elite competition – it did not, it wasn't that great. And, it, you know, that was when some of the injuries started to crop up. So when he started to get hit more, he started to limp more. Uh, and he started to start, you know, it's just the durability became that much more of an issue. And that was before the hip injury. If you watched his game tape from this past season, he really didn't have that bad of a game. He had one bad throw against um, LSU before the half. He threw a pick. Um, but he really played pretty solid equally with Joe Burrow. But if you go back two years ago, which can be – now, I could be talking around in circles there because if you go back and put on Burrow's tape from two years ago, there was a lot of bad film. But to me, it was such a different offense that it's almost unfair to yeah. put Burrow in that category. Like it's, it's almost an unfair evaluation of him to look at him in that offense because it was so different. It was just starts to start contrast. And if you and then if you look for a bad game, and this is one I asked Burrow about this. I'm like, what was your worst game? Because I can't find one. And he referenced the Ole Miss game, which 
I think they had 600 yards of total offense, put up 50 points, and he had two interceptions, which was his worst game. But they still like just beat him by 30. They beat the crap out of him, and he played great. Like if you it's watched, game, you know, like the only game he had where they didn't put up numbers was Auburn, I think, right? Right, right. Yeah. That was that was, and even uh, still. Like, I still think he had 300 yards offense and, yeah. you know, a couple touchdowns. Like, he didn't play awful. All right. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this. What, uh, where does Burrow sort of rank in the pantheon of quarterback prospects for you? I mean, I don't want to do an Andrew Luck thing, but I mean, like, you know, the last five or six I years. I think he's similar to Deshaun Watson, but I think he's final. Cause I think Deshaun Watson should have gone, probably yeah. should have gone number one. Like, even over Mahomes, based on college tape. Yes. Uh, of where he should have absolutely went over Trubisky. But for whatever reason, we made, well, he played at Clemson, product of the system. And I think Burrow is actually getting the credit for what he accomplished on the field this year, which Deshaun Watson didn't. But I think that's kind of where I would put him as a prospect coming out, somebody who had a lot of success. I think it translates from LSU to the next level. Like, I, I think that's probably the most recent. Like, I don't think he's Andrew Luck type talent, which is, you know, generational. I don't think it's Trevor Lawrence type talent, which I do think will be generational when he comes out next year. But I think it's really solid. And I, like, do we throw Jameis Winston in there? Like, you know, but I would say. Jameis was awesome. I mean, like, Jameis is a slam dunk first overall pick coming out of FSU outside of the the off-field issues. Like, right. But I would think Burroughs tape is better than Jameis Winston's tape from his couple years at FSU. I would say so for that, so I would put him slightly above Jameis as a prospect because he's more I, athletic. He's and he, he probably doesn't. And I don't. Jameis doesn't have a cannon. He takes a long windup. I think Burrow's release is better. Like I think it's probably somewhere between Deshaun Watson and Jameis Winston as far as recency of first round quarterbacks where he kind of grades out. And by the way, Jameis's freshman year tape is some of like like that dude oh, came in annihilated people. But I will say I agree with you like. He has a, it's like an outfielder making a, a relay throw or making a throw, like a, a, there's a throw from like right field to, to home plate is like every like deep throw. He just has to wind up. He's like taking like a, a crow hop or something like that. So I, that, that's the problem with James. And I, I agree. Burrow seems to process things better. He seems to get the ball out quicker. And look, you need to, I'll be, I think people gave Joe, I think people gave Joe Brady a little too much credit for what LSU yeah. did. Like he helped it a ton, but I mean, let's, Let's, I mean, like, he didn't reinvent offense. I mean, he, you know. no, no. Um, all right. Uh, we have to end this podcast because we have to go do a two hour mock draft, which we're going to do every Monday. Thankfully, they didn't move the draft back, Danny. Cause we, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, good. Thank goodness. We don't have anything to talk about quickly. The Danny Cannell award, you know, who it goes to. Oh, no. Yeah. Yo, sorry. I forgot the Danny Cannell award this year. It's been in the past. I gave Debo a long list. Uh, Matt Barkley won the award and people were USC fans were pissed. They thought it was an insult. Actually, I think his career about the same as mine. Tyler Wilson, remember him out of Arkansas? I think he was a fourth round pick, never really panned out. Um, who else did I give Debo? I gave him, uh, oh, Brett Hundley from UCLA, another fourth round pick, Wait, so had a just, chance to start. Is missed it. Not a self-indulgent complimentary award. Is that was a... <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's kind of like, I think it's interesting because I think these guys will probably have like okay careers and one day they'll be in broadcasting because they're good dudes. <laughs> is it, is it, yeah, so no, I'm going to go. And go based on our description of them, 
Jake Fromm is going to be this year's Danny Cannell. Like, he'll get drafted third or fourth round. I think he'll have a nice NFL career. He's a good kid, good for the locker room, all those types of things. And one day, who knows, you might be doing the Pick 6 podcast with uh, Jake Fromm. <laughs> you, know, but, you know, I was going to say that as we were talking about Jake Fromm, and I agree. It is a complimentary award. It's just not self-indulgent. It's a, like <laughs> he's going to have a good career and then be a successful broadcaster. Like, that's what you – I was thinking, like, because you were like, Jake Fromm's going to have a 10-year NFL career. I almost said maybe five years and then he's in broadcasting. Because, right. like, you could see Absolutely. him being like, hey, you know what, like, this this isn't yep, working out. Yep. I'm going to go work for ESPN and like, uh, Mark Sanchez. Although Mark Sanchez had went to two NFC, AFC championship games. So right. um, and, and top five pick. Like that's, you, you won't be yeah. a top five pick winning the Danny Cannell award. Uh, <laughs> right, I want to talk to you at some point about, uh, baseball and how it relates to quarterbacking as well, but we don't have time for that because we have to do a two hour mock draft. Check out Danny Cannell on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, is it at Danny Cannell on Twitter? It's just at Danny Cannell. Right? Got it. Yep. Follow on Twitter. Thanks as always, buddy.